This is the Unsuitable Podcast. I'm Mary B. Seyfried, a communicator, creator, and coach passionate about filling the gap between what the church offers and what single Christians need. Each episode this season, we're going to explore what it looks like to form deep relationships as people who aren't married. This week, you're going to hear from Sarah May Defoe. Sarah May is an independent singer-songwriter from Calgary, Alberta. A lifelong love of creative writing led to a deep appreciation of well-crafted, heartfelt lyrics, as can be heard on her first album, Flourish, 2017, and second album, Unexpected Hallelujah, 2018. The single, Emmanuel, God With Us, is regularly included in Christmas playlists on Christian radio stations all over the world. She recently released an EP called Letters to Ben, which is available on all streaming platforms. In this episode, you'll hear us talk about Letters to Ben, healing through different types of loss, learning to forgive ourselves, and finding security in friendship. Just as a heads up, there is a brief mention of abuse. Nothing explicit, but please listen with care. I want to take just a minute to tell you about the awesome company Unsuitable is partnering with this season. As singles, it's easy to feel like the redheaded stepchildren of the church, which is exactly why I've partnered with Rise of the Gingers to help sponsor this episode of Unsuitable. Rise of the Gingers is a t-shirt and accessory company made just for the 2%, the wrongfully alleged as soulless and often freckle-engulfed ginger folks out there. If you're a ginger or you know a ginger, head to riseofthegingers.com. Don't forget, this can also make the perfect gift. Use code UNSUITABLE10 for 10% off your order at riseofthegingers.com. You will not find better redhead swag anywhere else. Again, use code UNSUITABLE10 for 10% off your entire purchase. Before we dive into the episode, I want to share a sneak peek from Sarah May's EP with y'all. Here is a clip from a track entitled Impossible. love for you to start off by telling the people a little bit about yourself. Where are you located? What do you do? All of that kind of thing. All right. So yeah, I'm from Calgary, Alberta, which is in Canada. And Mary B tells me that I'm the first Canadian guest on the podcast, which is super awesome. Yeah. So I, um, I grew up going to a fairly mm-hmm. conservative, traditional mm-hmm. Christian and Missionary Alliance church right from, you know, a week old kind of a thing. Like I grew up doing the whole Sunday school thing and, you know, wearing your Sunday best and behaving yourself and doing all the things, which is great. My parents actually divorced when I was a teenager. And so that was definitely an interesting thing to experience as, you know, a, a family in a very conservative traditional church. And, you know, it was one of those things where I, even as a teenager, I kind of realized seeing the response of the church, I realized like, I kind of have a choice here. Like I could very easily just walk away from this, but there was something in my heart that just wanted to stay. And I I got really angry and really upset at a lot of things. And later on as a young adult kind of found my way through, you know, 
we're just working through some of those processes of forgiveness and healing and, and all of that good stuff. I'm a teacher by profession. So currently I work in a public Mm. elementary school. So kindergarten up to grade six and I am the music teacher. And right now we're just finishing up Mm. the crazy COVID year. So I'm traveling around classroom to classroom with this rolling cart and it's crazy and it's not my favorite. So I'm really ready for this school year to be over. And here it's not over until the end of June. So I've got a few more weeks to go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I've kind of run around to a few different denominations in my, in my church journey since moving away from the city where I grew up and attended that conservative church that I mentioned. I moved to Calgary where I currently live and I attended mm-hmm. Pentecostal churches, Baptist churches, non-denominational mm-hmm. kind of evangelical, just sort of I don't want to say bounced around because I, you know, kind of put down some roots for a while and then various life circumstances kind of, you know, caused me to move to a new place. And yeah, during that time I got married and Mm. about five years after that I got divorced. So it's, I, I feel like at this point in my life, looking back, there's been a lot of pretty major like upheavals in my life. And so it's been kind of an interesting faith journey, navigating all of that. I'm a musician, I'm an independent musician, and I'm just kind of in the process of releasing my next project. So that keeps me really busy as well. I love it. I would love for you to talk a little bit about your project, about your little EP that's coming out. Yeah, for sure. Mm. I released my first album in 2017, my second one in 2018. So it's been a little while. And of course, with everything that's been happening in the world, it's been a challenging time to make music and perform music and all of that. And, you know, yeah. just like any other industry or, or interest, it's been definitely a, an interesting, difficult time. For sure. So this project has been, it's kind of been delayed a bunch of times and it's gone through some ups and downs for sure. It's basically my story of meeting I I almost hesitate to say falling in love because it can sometimes come off as kind of, you know, cheesy sounding, but mm. that's what happened. So yeah. <laughs> meeting and falling in love and trying to navigate and establish this friendship with the hopes of it becoming more, even though we both kind of knew that that probably would never happen because of distance and all kinds of other factors and then ultimately the loss of this person. So he was actually killed in an accident about a year, just shy of a year after we met. And so just the the process of grieving and understanding, you know, God and I've had a lot of tearful conversations where I'm kind mm-hmm. of like, why, like, why, why did I even meet this person, God, who mm-hmm. seemed like everything I'd been hoping and praying for? And it was already so frustrating to feel like, you know, we met and connected so quickly and so beautifully and feeling like, okay, well, why, why can't it just work out? And then in the midst of all that frustration, then he died. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I really have, have struggled with confusion and just trying to understand, which of course we can't understand things like Mm -hmm. that. There's no understanding that comes, but of course, we still try. And so it's been a journey for sure. And then coming out of that season, I actually 
established this really beautiful friendship with his family mm-hmm. and have traveled to meet them a couple of times. And when I, the first time that I went to see them, I basically got on a plane and flew across the country and I'd never met them before. <laughs> I was like, yeah, sure. I'll stay at your house and spend the weekend with you and go to this memorial service honoring Ben's life. And it was, it seemed a little crazy and it probably was a little crazy, but it ended up being this beautiful, total God thing. And I started writing letters to Ben on the plane on the way there. Mm-hmm. Just kind of like, you know, I wish you were here. I wish, I wish that you were sitting in this plane seat next to me and that we were going and you were introducing me to your family under different circumstances and just kind yeah. of pouring out my heart. And those letters that I wrote turned into songs because that's how I roll. Yeah. <laughs> and now I'm, uh, well, at the time of recording, I'm one week from releasing the single and then three weeks from releasing the EP. So it's called Letters to Ben and it's mm-hmm. really personal and also really, I know that makes it sound like really sad and depressing, but it's also about just the beauty of connection and the excitement of meeting someone new and the, all the ways that we try to work out, you know, these, these human connections that can be really puzzling and difficult sometimes. So that's kind of the, I guess that was not a super, I was going to say the short story that wasn't that short, but. <laughs> so you mentioned, you know, looking back on your life and kind of noticing these like major moments of upheaval. And it seems like there's been a lot of different types of loss that you've mm-hmm. had to walk through relationally just in your life and in your faith. And so I would love for you to talk a little bit if you want to pick one of the relationships to walk through or maybe how that loss has looked and felt different in those different types of relationships, mm-hmm. whichever one strikes your fancy. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's definitely interesting to to say the word compare sounds sort of strange, but but. There is a common thread, definitely, in any of these types of loss. And I think Mm -hmm. even loss that's not relational, you know, the loss of a job or the loss of health or or whatever. But then at the same time, there's definite differences. Mm. I also wonder if those differences are in part because of who I am and where I am Mm -hmm. when the losses have occurred. So to, to trace back to losing my family security and essentially losing my my father i didn't have a relationship with him for well over a decade after mm-hmm. my parents split up so that loss of course i'm experiencing as a child yeah and then to fast forward and i'm in my early 30s and i'm processing a divorce and so i'm obviously in a very different place in my life at that point and then to fast forward again, having gone through this process of divorce and, you know, recovering from that and healing yeah. from that, and then losing Ben and having this whole situation, I I certainly, I, I almost feel like I was three completely different people <laughs> looking at those three different scenarios. Yeah. You know, it's just the experiences and the the things that kind of shape us as we go. I feel like a completely different person in a lot of ways than I was, you know, a decade ago. And even in my faith, you know, my relationship with God has changed so much over the course of my life. And I think processing the loss of Ben, in some ways, it certainly, I I can't say it was easier, but I think because my faith was in a different place, it's 
maybe been easier to lean on God in a way that I might not have been able to previously, Hmm. just because I feel like I I know him more and I trust him more. And Hmm. I trust that even though like, I, I don't believe that God causes these things in our lives. I believe that, you know, things, things happen and I'm not going to try and, and theorize about how or why, right. but I do know that, that God walks with us through whatever we're going through. And I do know that he can make situations work for our good. And I can look back at any of the losses that I've touched on and, and find positive things that have come out of them. Hmm. And that's, yeah, that's a really, a really beautiful I guess it's bittersweet because of course, you know, nobody yeah. wants to go through loss of any kind or or hard times, but there is also a lot of comfort and a lot of peace in knowing that whatever comes up, ultimately I won't be alone and I can rest on the fact that he will he'll carry me, he will bring people into my life to support me or whatever it is that will yeah, that will ultimately bring me closer to his heart and, and just kind of keep me, keep me safe. Yeah. That's like, it's so interesting to think about how you said, like, not only were the like types of loss different, but you were also a different person at different points in your life when you were experiencing all those different types of losses. And so I imagine that would make it like, there probably is some similarity in how you maybe were able to learn to process those losses, mm-hmm. but also like just so I imagine they were all so different. Like the loss of a divorce would probably feel different than the loss of this friend through mm-hmm. death. Very, very, very different. Yeah. Yeah. The Especially to compare, you know, the divorce to any other kind of loss to death, whether it's, mm-hmm. you know, a situation like mine or the, the death of a family member or whatever, right. the the divorce loss or the, the loss of the marriage, I guess, would be the way to say it for me. And of course, every situation is unique. But for me, it was after five years of a really difficult, toxic and quite abusive relationship. And so it was a coming to terms with the choices that I made. And I, that sounds kind of like I'm blaming myself, which I'm not, I certainly did. And that's something that I've had to work through and thank God for good therapists. Let yes. me tell you. Yes. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, that loss, it was, there was so much anger attached to it mm. and navigating this ocean of like betrayal <laughs> And not only anger toward my ex-husband, but anger toward myself. I was angry at myself, like how I, I walked into this. Mm. And I remember thinking about when my parents got divorced and there was infidelity both in my parents' marriage and infidelity in my marriage. And mm. I almost, I, I, I remember kind of thinking to myself like, how could you let this happen? Like, why, how could you be so stupid to get yourself in a situation mm-hmm. when you experienced this already as a child mm-hmm. and you know the pain and, you know, it's almost like I thought I should have been able to spot it. I, sh- I, I thought I should have been able to, you know, see it coming and avoid it. Yeah. 
And so I, I really had to work through not only the process of forgiving my ex-husband, which is still a challenge and I'm, you know, six years out, Yeah. but things, things still kind of pop up and I'm sometimes triggered by things and I have to Mm. decide to, (laughs) to not carry that bitterness and not go back into that frame of mind. But but really, I think even the bigger challenge is forgiving myself. Mm. And, you know, that's, and, and even with Ben in a different way, I kind of beat myself up for letting myself get, letting myself, such a silly thing to say, but for, for ending up so connected and having put so, so much hope into this situation that was kind of impossible. And then sort of beating myself up and feeling kind of stupid, like, well, why would you even go down this road? Mm. Why wouldn't you just meet him and like, yeah, let's be Facebook friends. But like, why do you have to have these hours long, you know, video chats where you're having this deep connection when you know it's not going to go anywhere? Like, Mm. you know, really berating myself for the situation that I was in and somehow, somehow treating myself like, I don't know, like it was my own stupidity or my own whatever (laughs) that got me into these situations. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's a very good way to treat ourselves (laughs) at all. Yeah. You talked a little bit about process of forgiving yourself and I'd love to, for you to say more words about that. Yeah. I, I don't think I really even understood that concept of self-forgiveness until fairly recently. I, I think certainly since my divorce, but even I feel like even in the later stages, like I've, I've undergone various, you know, counseling and therapies and different things. I am all about all the things, especially when, you know, if, if you're in a place that you're fortunate enough to have access to counseling or whatever, I am all about it <laughs> because yeah. my goodness, it has changed and probably saved my life. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. For me, it was a matter of, almost stepping back outside of myself a little bit mm. and trying to look at the person that I was mm. at the time of whatever. So who was I as a 27-year-old woman really just like kind of at the point where I so badly wanted to get married. I so badly wanted to start a family. I felt like everybody around me was doing that mm. and Growing up in that traditional church environment, I was already a bit of a weirdo because I, <laughs> you know, I was on the the slippery slope toward thirty, and you know, no prospects, and oh, the horror, you know. <laughs> yeah. And so, looking back at that young woman and seeing how just the various things, my upbringing, the experience of my parents getting divorced, mm. the church community, like all of these different factors and how they played a part in me making the decision that I ultimately made Mm -hmm. to marry this person. Yeah. And, and even kind of examining those first stages of that relationship. And rather than seeing it through the lens of like, okay, well now, now it's over and I know what happened. And I, it's really easy to look back and identify red flags after the fact. Yeah. That's a really easy thing to do. and. It's probably not that helpful most of the time, mm-hmm. <laughs> especially if it comes from other people. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, Al, didn't you notice when this happened? It's like, well, 
clearly I didn't because here we are. <laughs> so being able to go back and just kind of see like, okay, you know what, when I was 27 and this is who I was, and this was my, my experience and my community and all these things, it makes sense that I made these choices mm. and it's okay. And, you know, looking at it through the lens of beating myself up is not beneficial. Yeah. It doesn't help me to love myself any better. It doesn't help me to love others that I encounter who might be in that position. You know, I've over the years, I've met a few people who are like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm kind of walking through, I'm now walking through what you walked through a couple of years ago. And so I'm grateful for those opportunities because I can say, yeah, these are, these are the things that I learned and experienced. And, you know, these things that you're feeling or dealing with, that's okay. Mm. And it makes sense, you know, like I, um, you know, and even same with the whole thing with meeting Ben and that tendency that I had there to beat myself up too. Mm. I can look at that situation you know, after kind of having learned, and again, through therapy, (laughs) kind of learning to step back outside myself a little bit, and look at who I was at that time. Mm. And all the things that I had been through, and all the things that my heart was longing and hoping for and praying for, and not just choosing not to go into that mind frame, Mm -hmm. choosing to have compassion for myself, and then ultimately, especially with Ben, it's it's a lot easier to feel grateful for that situation because um, he he really did change my life for the better. Mm. And, you know, now I have this beautiful connection with his family. And so there's a lot of good that came out of, of that friendship with him. And so it's maybe easier to do that <laughs> than it is to look back and, you know, kind of examine my whole marriage and divorce through that lens. Mm. But... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, listen, we could have a whole conversation on the pressure that various churches put on women in particular <laughs> to get married. Oh, and could we ever. <laughs> the just the the lack of like I don't know if training is the right word, but like I don't know. There's a really great episode of a podcast called Where Do We Go From Here and it's mm-hmm. with uh, Joy Beth Smith who is an author and she talks about like like we don't have a theology of breaking up and so we have this mm. view of like dating that's like wow. we are dating for marriage and anything short of that is failure and so there's this wow. like pressure it's like oh my gosh it's such a dynamite episode i was like that's what true um, okay what was it called where do we go from where here? do we go from here yeah and the episode, gonna make note of that i think the episode is just called breakups I'll put it in the episode description for those of y'all yeah. who are listening. But um, yeah, it's just like, I just think like, it, it's not just that, you know, like when you look back at these kinds of moments where you're like, maybe I should have known, maybe I could have done this, maybe I could have done that. Like, mm-hmm. it's not just the personal forces at work. It's like the cultural support and the cultural environment that we're in that oh, yeah. either is going to like say, hey you know, he, hey, there are red flags that you could be looking for yeah. that would mean that you should not be with this person, like that they are not a healthy yeah. person. And it is okay. Like it is, let us celebrate you walking away from that situation. 
um, as opposed to putting so much pressure on marriage that people are like, well, I got it. This is the thing. This is the the key to to like cultural acceptance, to like feeling like I have a place here. This is the key to like security. This is the key to like all Mm -hmm. of these things. And so like I'm going to ignore so many of these red flags because I want this thing and this person is like here. (laughs) oh yes you just hit all the nails on all the heads (laughs) it's so true it is absolutely so true the pressure that unfortunately comes a lot of times from the church and of course you know from families and yeah you know all of it it does it all kind of converges and it certainly I you know I can I can say that that all was a definite factor in me kind of ending up rushing into a marriage that that ultimately was not a good choice mm-hmm. <laughs> to <laughs> to put it lightly. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's you're right. There isn't there is not a theology or an understanding for breakups or for things ending, whether that's on a more like casual, less serious level, like, oh, we went out a few times and it just didn't work out. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden your whole church community is like, oh my goodness, what, what happened? And it's like this big, huge deal when really you were just two adults having a few conversations and you were like, yeah, it's just maybe not, just not clicking. And why is that not okay? Yeah, (laughs) That's crazy. And yeah, and I think sometimes, I don't know how it is for men, but I think sometimes with female friendships, there can be a lot of pressure, even without just kind of inadvertently pressure that's placed on like the single friend Mm. I think of the the network of friends that I that I have had for the last little while so when I got divorced I kind of I ended up basically just leaving the church that I was in because there was just so much connection with my Mm ex-husband and it was it was a pretty traumatic separation like I actually had to pack up kind of secretly mm-hmm. when he was away and sort of escape. And wow. so I lost obviously the marriage and all of that, but I also lost mm-hmm. the community because I couldn't go back there. He he was showing up on Sundays and looking for me and I didn't feel safe. And yeah. I, I literally was like hiding. And so I, I lost that community that, that I had as well. Yeah. And if you... Yes, a few months later, I ended up starting to attend another church that I'd heard about through a, an older friend that I wasn't super connected with anymore, but but had kind of reached out when she heard what I was going through. And so I ended up plugged into this other church and established a really, really close network of friends pretty quickly, um, most of which are still, you know, five, six years later are still my closest friends and have really walked through all of the the process of actually legally getting a divorce, mm-hmm. which was very difficult. Yeah. And then all of the uncertainty of, you know, after, after whatever amount of time had passed and I was like ready to get back in the dating game and all of that fun stuff. <laughs> they, you know, walked me through that and all of the stuff with Ben and, you know, they've just kind of been there. Mm-hmm. And I just am so grateful to have formed these friendships with people who see beyond the relationship status. Mm -hmm. I feel like sometimes in the church and probably outside of the church too, 
we we tend to look for people who are like us. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when you're younger and most of your friends are single, mm-hmm. then you're all kind of in the same boat and, you know, your lives are, you have some similarities in your lives. And then when some of the friends start getting married, there's some inevitable changes because of course your life changes when you get married. It should change. Yeah. But sometimes it can change those friendships in a way that I don't, personally, I don't think that it needs to. And I'm grateful that these friends that I am super connected to and have been for years now, it hasn't really mattered. Mm -hmm. We've all kind of gone through some different changes with relationships and children and all kinds of different things. And I think the main thing has been that we're, we're friends as individuals as the people as the human beings that we actually are it's not about like oh we're in the same boat like oh we're in the you know this club or that club yeah it's just like I connect to you on you know the human level Mm. and wherever you're at whatever your status or your label happens to be Mm. doesn't really matter it's deeper than that Mm. and I think that's that's been a huge thing for me in navigating all of these different things and really coming to a place of loving myself and loving my life, even when things are not perfect, which is always. (laughs) Yeah. Gosh, so much of what you said, just like so spot on, totally resonated with me. I mean, like, I feel like with, you know, friends that I have here in the city and I'd say like friendships overall, like I've had like been blessed with having like really great friends but but I think that even so with all of that I still feel this like not because of anything my friends have said or done there is this thing that I've this feeling that I've noticed like when I'll go to a wedding like right afterwards I get this like low to high key anxiety because I feel like there's a a franticness that I feel like I'm being left Mm -hmm. behind like there's the uncertainty of like I don't know what this is going. I don't think this is going to change anything in any substantial way, but I don't know. Like mm-hmm. once they're in the reality of being married, like maybe our like our friendship is probably not going to be as much of a priority, which, you know, mm-hmm. is what it is. But like, you know, there's the chance that that life that their lives together are just going to become so consuming that they're not going to have the bandwidth to think outside of their immediate Mm -hmm. surroundings and you know so Mm -hmm. I think like it's been really interesting to like notice that in myself and in my relationships where even though the friends aren't like putting pressure on me they're not like saying anything Mm -hmm. there is still that kind of like underlying insecurity I think that I have to wrestle with of like okay but like you're saying these things but because our lives look different and because there is a change I don't totally know what that might mean for us yeah I was reminded of a conversation I had with my best friend and this would be a few years ago now and I was processing you know there's been a a bit of a thread of abandonment in my life with what happened with my father and then obviously the divorce and all of that and in a very tearful vulnerable conversation with my best friend I remember she just she looked me dead in the eyes and she's like I'm not going anywhere Mm -hmm. and I'm just like (laughs) like ugly crying and and I I 
had never experienced that in the context of a friendship before where somebody was really like declaring like, no, I'm here and I'm going to stick it Mm -hmm. out. And I've said to her a number of times that her friendship has been really instrumental in my faith and in my understanding of who God is, because she has shown me an aspect of God's heart Mm -hmm. that I had never really experienced before. Mm -hmm. Just this kind of fierce commitment. And I I think for me anyway, that's rare. Mm -hmm. Maybe we feel it, but how often do we say it in those friendships? Yeah. And how often do we like realize that we need to hear it? Like I've had a friend sit down and say that to me before. And I was like, I had the same reaction because I was like, I didn't even know that's what I needed to hear. Because it it feels like kind of like, I don't know, needy and whatever to like, it feels like kind of like asking a lot of a person to like say those out loud words. And also like if you ask them to say them, does it like count? I don't know. Are they just like, I don't know. (laughs) But like it is a very powerful thing to just like Mm -hmm. have another person who has, you know, no, I don't want to say no reason, but who like is able to like read, who knows you well enough to be able to Mm -hmm. kind of say that out loud and know that that's what maybe you need to hear in that moment. And is choosing that. It's not like, oh, I'm your mom, so I have to, <laughs> or I'm your whatever. Right, right. Like, we are it's like, and I don't have a choice yeah. to be here. No, it's like <laughs> they have to choose it. They have to make time for yeah. it, prioritize mm-hmm. it. Yeah, it's nuts. Friendship. Yeah. Well, Sarah May, this has been such a great conversation. It has. And I've really enjoyed it. I have two last baby questions for you. The first of which is how we can support you. I guess the most kind of practical way would be to look me up and follow me and listen to all the things. So I'm, I'm kind of everywhere with music. So I have two previous albums and then I'm assuming by the time this is available, my musical prop, my Letters to Ben project will probably also be released. It will. As well. So, so yeah, I'm on Spotify, Apple Music, you know, Amazon, Google Play, like all of the major digital music places. And then social media, you can find me at Sarah May Defoe Music, or also I have at Letters to Ben on Instagram. And then I have a Facebook page. I've got a website, sarahmaydefoe.com. So, kind of all over the place, but those would be certainly the most kind of practical ways that you could support just by, you know, being a, being a music listener. And hopefully if you're touched by anything that you hear, I think the the biggest kind of compliment and the best way to support for me is if you pass it on, if there's, you know, you listen to a song and you're like, Oh, this makes me think of this person or send it to them. Mm -hmm. You know, that's ultimately my heart in being a musician and putting all of this out there into the world is just that it would it would speak to somebody it would mm. cause you to i don't know maybe see yourself or your situation or someone around you in a different way and mm. just to feel seen and understood yeah. cuz i think that's something that we all need yeah well i will put all of that information in the episode description so it's nice and easy for people to find you wonderful last but not least sarah may will you tell me one thing that's hard right now and one thing that's great One thing that's hard and one thing that's great. Yeah, 
Okay. Only one thing. One thing. <laughs> one thing. Um, okay. One thing that's hard right now is staying focused in my job mm -hmm. because it has been the craziest, hardest year to be a teacher and the kids. It, anyway, where I, where I live and where I teach, we've been kind of back and forth with virtual and in-person. And so it's been really hard on the kids to flip flop back and mm -hmm. forth and hard on the teachers. And now we're, you know, within a few weeks of the finish line. So that's one thing that's hard is like, stick, you know, kind of staying on track and like, okay, I can do this just yeah. a few more weeks. Yep. Just counting down. That's one thing that's really hard right now. <laughs> yeah. And one thing that's great is that things are kind of changing and opening up again. And I don't know what it's like. I, I know, you know, different places are kind of in different places sure. in terms of like openness post COVID and all of that. A few weeks ago where I live, we were like the worst, we had the, the highest case rate in all of North America. And wow. it was like a lot of fear and a lot of like crazy, just all the things that everyone's been experiencing. Yeah. <laughs> and so now we're kind of, our numbers are going down and we're getting to the point where things are starting to slowly open back up again. Mm -hmm. And as vaccination rates go up and it fills my heart with hope to, to think like, Hey, maybe this summer I'll actually be able to perform live music somewhere. Like, you know, that hasn't been a thing. Yeah. We like, that's just, you know, it's one thing to do a virtual concert. That's great, but it's just not the same. Right. And so I'm feeling optimistic and yeah, just kind of looking ahead to the summer and just believing and trusting that things will be, I, I'm not going to say back to normal because I don't even know what that means anymore, right. <laughs> but that things will be just better and more open and that we'll be able to be a little bit more connected. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Mm. Awesome. Sarah May, thank you so much for being here, for sharing all of your wisdom and experience with us. Thank you so much for having me. You can find Sarah May on Instagram at Sarah May Defoe Music and at letters underscore two underscore Ben and at sarahmaydefoe.com and letters to ben.com. Listen to Letters to Ben wherever you stream music. If you're a single Christian, you've probably found yourself in some derpy situations. You know, like when someone you barely know starts talking about your biological clock. It's hard to know how to respond. And it can feel like nobody's talking about how weird these situations really are. That's why I created the Single Christian Derptitude Test. It's like a fun aptitude test for navigating the derpy things that happen to singles at church. What if I told you that you have a social superpower that can keep you from losing your ever-living mind in these situations? Find out yours at marybesaferet.com backslash quiz. Thanks for listening, and thanks to Rise of the Gingers for partnering on today's episode. Just as a heads up, I am an affiliate of Rise of the Gingers, which means I get a wee percentage of each sale at no cost to you. This season of Unsuitable with Mary B. Saferit is produced by me, Mary B. Saferit. Sound engineering is by Bijoy Ahmed, and the theme music is by Chad Rollinson. That's all for now. Catch y'all on the flippity-flop.